Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Well, it's so good to see so many people. Actually, this is the biggest congregation I've seen for a while. <laughs> um, back in Spain, I do preach sometimes in a church. Mostly it's in a home or on a bar terrace. Yes, we do that in Spain. Um, but in the church where I do preach sometimes, they haven't had this many people for a long, long time. So it's so great to see you, and it's so great to be here. And I think, was it you, Mark, who said when you called us in, it's like real church? And that's what it is. It's like real church. Hallelujah. Back together. Praise you, Lord. Well, we're still working our way through Luke. I don't know whose bright idea this was. <laughs> But I've got just three verses today. <laughs> You're right, I do feel lucky then. <laughs> or blessed, that's what I feel, blessed, because the word of God always blesses, even if it's only three um, or two verses. Um, and I've called the, the, this session, uh, do Tell me if I'm running over time, won't you? Because I don't always notice. Um, power and purpose of Jesus. Because when I read these three verses, that was what came over to me. The power and purpose of Jesus, just in three verses. But first of all, I just want to look at what is the power and purpose of Jesus. And I think we'll find that out as we go through. But I can tell you right off what it isn't. And it isn't to give us an easy and comfortable life. Just in case any of you were still under that misapprehension, that is definitely not the power and purpose of Jesus. And these last 20 months or so will have underlined that quite well. And the thing is that um, belonging to Jesus doesn't give us immunity. It doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer or have difficult times. And straight off, we, we read in, in Mark 5.45, when Jesus is teaching his disciples about how we're to love our enemies, he says that the Heavenly Father gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. So we're not going to have privileges, no, we're not going to have special privileges because we belong to Jesus. He also warned us in John 16.33 that here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And I cannot tell you how much that verse has meant to me over these last months where everything has changed, everything has gone silly. In the beginning, I was quite hopeful. I thought, hallelujah, God's doing a work. We're going to have revival, and it'll all be over in six months. 
and we'll have all learned our lessons, whatever they were that we had to learn, and we can get on with life again. How wrong can you be? Um, but that verse does sustain me. Every time I'm being pulled down by the circumstances, every time I get frustrated. And I have to confess that since I came to England, I have acted like the Incredible Hulk on three separate occasions with both my, in the presence of both my daughters. It wasn't them I was being the Incredible Hulk with, by the way. <laughs> but it just showed me how much things had been churning, things, how much things are, are really pressing in and I'm trying to hold it together. Without God, I can't hold it together. It's that simple. And that verse actually um, helps me so much. He has overcome the world, even though it might look on every front that he hasn't. So let's get back to Luke. And it's Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. And remember, last week, Mark was telling us about the apostles that he um, called to be, a, the disciples that he called to be apostles on the mountain. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. So the first thing I noticed as I read that, he comes down from the mountain where he's been with his disciples, not just the 12 who he made apostles or began to their journey of apostleship, but all his disciples had been up there. That's why he chose 12 out. So they all come down the mountain. And when they come down, they come to a level place. Sometimes the, the, word, the verses that follow, and I'm not stealing anyone's thunder here, but as I was reading this, it said this is called the Sermon on the Plain, not the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> so it, I don't know. I'll leave that to whoever's doing next week. That's not my, my thing. <laughs> but... It just occurred to me that if they, you know, they refer to it as the Sermon on the Plain because it was a level place where many people from all over, um, and not just close at hand, but from quite a distance, were gathering. The first thing that occurred to me is a level place is accessible to all. Even those who can't climb mountains to be with Jesus... On a level place, we can all be there. We can all get to Jesus on a level place. So it's a reminder that Jesus will meet us wherever we are. He's not going to expect us to climb mountains to find him. He will meet us wherever we are. And of course, with all these people gathering, it shows just how much his fame and popularity was growing. Um, they came for a variety of reasons, I suspect, and some of those reasons could have been curiosity, could have been need for anything, a desire for revelation. And I'm sure some were actually looking for reasons to arrest him. So they weren't coming for a good reason. But nonetheless, they were all 
coming. They were all going to hear what Jesus had to say. I think that many came to listen and learn. And perhaps the majority actually did come to find healing. The question is, why do we gather with Jesus at the center? What are we looking for? Is it curiosity? Sometimes, it certainly was for me the first time I started going to church. It was out of sheer curiosity. And sometimes it is need because you're not finding the answers anywhere else. So let's just try this one then. We've tried everything else. Let's try, try this one. We've heard how powerful this man is. We've heard how things change when he's in your life, when he's around. Maybe he can do things for me. Is it to come to worship him, to have him at the center? The thing we have to remember is whatever reasons we are coming for, he is at the center. It's all about Jesus. It's not about whether I'm cold because there's a wind blowing through the door. It's not about whether I like the music, which was absolutely fantastic this morning, wherever you are. It was amazing worship music and really took me quite quickly into that place of worship this morning. Brilliant, thank you. But even if it wasn't, that's not the reason. I'm coming to worship God, yes, but not to admire the worship team. I'm coming to give my praise and worship to God. And I think we need to think about that sometimes when we get a bit dissatisfied with church. Why are we going to church? Good question we can ask ourselves. So, Many came to listen and learn. And we, the next verse says, um, this is verse, I can't read the, it's small writing. They had come to hear him. So they hadn't only come to have their needs met or to be healed or to be delivered from any demonic um, activity. They had actually also come to hear him. And this was the beginning of the apprenticeship for the apostles. So they were obviously going to be hearing him because this was the start of their learning process. But all the thousands of people that had gathered in this level place were also going to hear Jesus speak. Now, I don't know if it was the same words he spoke to the disciples later, but certainly he would have spoken to them. He didn't just come down um, onto the level place and start touching people on their heads and they were all healed and they all went away. No, he would have spoken to them about the kingdom of God. He would have been giving them revelation. And a lot of the people there were hungry for revelation. A lot of the people today are hungry for revelation. The world is turning on its head. Many people are hungry for revelation. So, those that were hungry were going to hear something and it was going to change their lives. His teaching was different to anything they'd heard before from all the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And I think this was mentioned several times over the last few weeks, how powerful his teaching was. And to the point that in Luke 4, it's recorded that people were amazed at his teaching for he spoke with authority and exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. And in Matthew and Mark, it's described as having real authority. 
I love that, real authority. They were looking for someone who had real authority, not those that stand up, make rules, regulations, and you're all gonna follow them, that's because I'm in charge and it's, you're under my authority. They were looking for the real authentic authority that is ours from God. Through Jesus, Jesus gives us his authority. Before he left this earth, before he um, went back to, to his Father in heaven, he said, gave us his authority to be his ambassadors, his body here on the earth. We carry that authority that Jesus had within us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We don't always act on that authority or realize that we have that authority, especially when we're dealing um, not so much with people, but with the powers and the princes of this world, the demonic influences that there are in this world, and they are coming fast and furious. I'm sure they've always been there, but now we see it more and more. But we have authority over these. We can speak directly over them. When we're faced with a situation that is demonic, we can speak into that situation because we have Jesus' authority. If you're not sure you have that authority, don't do it. It's only Jesus' authority that can speak into those situations. And the Bible tells us we're to submit to God before we ever try to deal um, with things like that in the authority of Jesus. So, yeah, Authority. He spoke with real authority. It made a difference, and they knew it. The words that Jesus spoke carried the power and authority of God. So the power of Jesus is in who he is. That's where his power is, in who he is. It isn't just what he does. It isn't the effects he has on our lives. That's the out pouring the outworking of his power, which is who he is. And here again, I'm going to read from Matthew this time. Oh, nearly knocked the podium over. Not the podium, the whatever it is. <laughs> from Matthew 16, starting at verse 13, I think it is. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? I won't go on with that, because otherwise I should finish up preaching a whole new different sermon and leave this one behind. The key question here is, who do you say I am? Who do we say Jesus is to us in our lives? Who is he? It's when we read his word, when we read the accounts in the Gospels of his life, when we see the effects he had on the people then, when we hear testimonies of people today and how he works in their lives... And I've seen him work just recently far more, even with my tantrums that I've thrown, far more than perhaps before. Maybe he hasn't started to work more. Maybe I'm just recognizing it more. Who do I say he is? Was he just a nice, cozy person I could be religious with? 
Or is he actually life-changing, power-moving, amazing, awesome God who will actually do exactly what Michelle shared this morning with that, with that light, that lamp. Put, it, put us back together. Make us beautiful the way we were always meant to be. And only he can do that. There is no other way. Nothing we can do. We can patch ourselves up. We can get over things for a short while. But we cannot put ourselves back together to be that beautiful creation he made us to be. He always meant us to be. And so who is he? Who do we say he is? If we believe Christ's teaching about God and his kingdom, then whatever we understood before that has to be turned on its head. Because it does. And that's, that was the problem that the Pharisees and the religious leaders had with Jesus. Everything they'd understood and made into a religion, up to then he was turning on its head the whole time. So another question we need to ask ourselves, do we pick and choose what we will believe? Do we believe the word of God is the word of God or do we just think it's some good words that we can latch on to, the ones we really like, but ignore the ones we don't? Questions. The word teaches us that we aren't um, forgiven and saved by keeping rules and the world would tell you that you are. They teach it in schools. Good people go to heaven. And that has got more Christian children into trouble more than anything else because they argue it. They argue that because they know it's not true. It's only a relationship with Jesus that will take us into heaven. Not how good we've been. Hopefully our relationship with Jesus will help us to be better. (laughs) Better people, kinder, more generous, more loving, more forbearing, more enduring. But that's as a result of our relationship. It's not what gives us the relationship or the free ticket to heaven. Going back to Luke, the next bit says, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. So people had come to be healed spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally. It's all part of the salvation package, by the way. That's what salvation means. It's being made whole in every respect, put back together again when we've been broken. But most of the healing miracles that we read about, because there are other miracles, but most of the healing miracles that we read about in in the Word of God are usually physical or spiritual. People are either being delivered or cleansed of unclean spirits, or they're being healed physically. And here it says that all were healed that day. But we know that that doesn't happen all the time, and that makes us start to doubt and to wonder. I think there's a big mystery surrounding this that I'm really going to hope that Jesus helps me understand one day. Because there's a lot about it I do not understand, and I'm not going to preach on it for that reason. One thing I do know, though, that the biggest healing miracle is salvation. That heals us completely. 
even if we've got physical symptoms. And the miracle of salvation is eternal. The physical healing that we receive is just for this life. It's temporary. Because, sorry folks, but if you get healed, one day you will still die. Physically. <laughs> it's not if you're not expecting it. <laughs> so, yeah, one day we will die. Physically. But if we're alive in Christ, that's the, be the beginning of the, the long life that we're working towards now. Our eternal life starts when we give our lives to Christ, here and now, but we don't get the fullness of it until we're actually with him. So praise God that that's what we've got to look forward to. So let's not get hung up if healing doesn't happen the way that we want it to. Let's remember that our salvation is the biggest healing miracle of all. And physical healing miracles or even spiritual healing miracles are all pointing to the eternal miracle of salvation. Physical healing is great, but eternal life is better, is where I'm going to leave that one. And then it says that everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him. Does it say healing power? Yeah, healing power went out from him. I would suggest that power was coming out of Christ all the time through his speaking and teaching and through his healing. The power of Christ was coming through. But the reason they wanted to touch him was because of the healing power that they could see was at work. They were seeing everybody being healed. So more and more people wanted to touch him. And again, in Luke, a bit further on, I've uh, forgotten what, what one it was now. 843 to 48, there we are. We read this. Jesus is on his way to heal someone when this happens. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him, and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well go in peace. I just want to point out here, it was the healing power of Jesus that healed her. Her faith gave her the courage to reach out and touch him. That's why her faith healed her, because she had the faith to press through, touch him, and receive the healing power that was coming out from him. And that's probably what these people on this level place, were also receiving. They were reaching out to him in faith because they'd seen some evidence. If they can do it for him, perhaps he can do it for me. That kind of 
faith. We start off tentatively. Our faith gets stronger the more we see Jesus at work in our lives. But it wasn't just that woman. I think Lydia, it was a few weeks ago, was speaking about the four friends who lowered their friend in front of Jesus again. He said, your the faith of the friends made that person well. He didn't even have to have the faith, but the friends had the faith to bring him to Jesus, to touch Jesus. And then we see um, blind Bartimaeus by the side of the road. Knew Jesus was passing by, calling out to him. He couldn't see him, so he couldn't reach to touch him, but he was wanting Jesus to come and heal him. Help him see, make him see. Again, his faith that Jesus could do it. And Zacchaeus. Now that wasn't a healing miracle, but he wanted to see Jesus so much that he climbed a tree. And what did that do? It meant that because he'd put his faith to work to climb this tree, to see this man that everyone was talking about, he too was healed for eternity. Healing, has, salvation has come to your house today, Jesus said to him when he had repented of his past misdemeanors and wanted to pay back and atone for what he'd done before. These are all healing miracles. They might not seem like it on the surface, but they are all healing miracles. And when we reach out to Jesus, when we stretch ourselves towards him, and want from him the power that is in him, he will never, ever disappoint us. But we have to want it enough to do it. And we must remember as well when we reach out to help others in a practical way, let them know it's the power of Jesus in us that is enabling us to love them, to care for them, to help them, to do whatever it is we're doing for them. Otherwise, we finish up in that horrible situation where I've been in so many times where people, oh, you're so nice, you're so good. I'm good because Jesus helps me to be good. As a person, I can promise you I am not that good, left to my own devices. It's Jesus in me that is good. So just be aware when we are helping people to actually mention the love that Jesus has for them, the love that God has for them, what Jesus did for them. The power of Jesus works miracles. The greatest of these is deliverance from eternal death into eternal life. His teaching has power to open hearts and minds to salvation. The power of forgiveness through our surrender to him. To put it in a one short sentence, power and purpose to reverse the curse. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. His power doesn't run down or run out like a battery. You don't have to plug him in every now and then, although it's good to make sure we're plugged into the Holy Spirit so that we keep getting the power. But his power doesn't run out. He delivers, he forgives, he raises the dead to eternal life. Jesus is the word made of God made flesh, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one redeeming sacrifice, high priest. His power is God's power and still at work today. Today, right now, this minute, if anybody wants a touch from God, just hold your hand and say, Lord, touch me where you know I need.
that touch. It's available to everyone who reaches out to him, and he will meet us on a level place everywhere. Where, where we are, he will be. It's a level playing field, as they say. We don't have to be special or do anything special. So I'm suggesting, as I finish, hopefully just in time, <laughs> that the power and purpose of Jesus is for our salvation. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for our salvation and for the fact that it's available to everyone, regardless of where we come from, what language we speak, and, and where we were born. It doesn't matter. It's a level playing field. We all um, are, are able to reach out and touch you, and you will answer and respond to everyone who does, regardless of what's happened before. Make us whole, make us beautiful, make us new. In your precious name, amen. Amen, thank you. Um, I think we have to do that right now. So um, this is what I say we do. We just, if you want to reach out to Jesus today, whether it be for salvation, whether it be for healing physically, whether it be for, um, uh, for, for healing in your mental state and your, and your spiritual well-being, I, am, I want everyone in the room to close your eyes, and my, it does look like a real church again. Hallelujah. Sorry, it's the first time I've seen you all this way around. Um, so I want you to close your eyes. Um, and you guys at home, watching back later, do this too. All I suggest you do is put your hand out. So let's do it now. Put your hand out. Start to receive. Reach out and touch Jesus. Reach out. And if you're afraid to put your hand up, push through it. Like the woman who was afraid she should never have got close to Jesus because of the bleeding that she was uh, suffering. And yet she reached out. So reach out, press through those feelings. Nobody's watching you. I've got my eyes closed. Reach out right now. Whatever touch you need from the Holy Spirit, whatever touch you need from Jesus, reach out right now. Do it at home in your sitting rooms. Do it in your bedroom. Reach out and receive. Thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you, Jesus, that as you see every hand that's reached out towards you, Lord God, you know each and every need that hand represents and each and every desire that hand represents and each and every um, healing touch that hand represents. And it's all healing, whether it's um, spiritual, mental, physical, Lord God. And so we receive it. Whether it's for our finances, we reach out. We reach out and we know, Jesus, you've got us. So we touch you and we know the power is available for us. And we receive right now. So, Lord God, we didn't want to leave this morning without making an act. And, Lord, for those who are reaching out for their salvation today, Lord God, I pray that they will tell someone and that they will um, start a really wonderful lifelong journey with you, Lord God. I pray for those who are reaching out for their physical healing. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God. Lord Jesus, you never turned anyone away. It says in that scripture we read today that each and every one of them was healed. And they were healed and they were delivered from demonic spirits. So right now, in the name of Jesus, anything that is uh, of the enemy that has come against these people who are reaching out right now I tell you to go in the name of Jesus 
You have no authority here, but a full authority belongs to Jesus Christ, and that's who we're reaching out to. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can leave here today saved, delivered, and healed. Amen. Amen. Amen.